what really happened is the following. There was this dispute between ESCOM and uh, the consent company. The, the CEO claimed that they were, always, they were owed ESCOM about uh, 2 billion rent. And uh, that he needed the money. And that also the coal that was being supplied was uh, of uh, inferior quality. So, so ESCOM stopped taking coal from uh, that mine there in Malang. And um, at the department, I intervened. Well, I know Brian, well, I almost raised him, my big brother. So I, I, and he was refusing to meet uh, with the company. The company and would be Glencoe? Glencoe, yes. Okay. Now, so, um, but we had a meeting at Tinsuano in uh, Midrand, and uh, I thought we had made progress, at least to the extent that he was considering meeting them in the presence of the department. Then in the evening, I got a call that uh, the chairman wanted to still see me, uh, that is Dr. Ngubani. So I decided to arrange to meet him in my office with my officials Okay. Um, in, in Pretoria. Right. At DMR. Now, so he came with the COO, with Mr. Malefa, that is uh, Dr. Nguyen, and uh, demanded that uh, Glencoe should pay the $2 billion up front before they could really open discussions with, uh, with them on a, any serious note. And that in the... Because now Glencoe was not paying, I must take away all the licenses of Glencoe in South Africa. This was said in the presence of my officials in DMR. Mm. And so I, I then said to him, you know, uh, Mr. Chairman, I don't understand how you propose to go about this because we are in the middle of, in the first place, power outages in South Africa. Secondly, I have no idea how many mines of Glencoe are, are supplying coal to our power stations. My approach is the following. I do need to understand what I'm dealing with. Secondly, I'm maintaining my position, which I've sold to the uh, chief executive officer, which is the department intervenes and mediates between yourselves and in a way that we can resolve this matter amicably. Right. Then, then he he, he are saying, well, he needs to go back and report to the president because the president was running to was going to Russia that day, and I mean, before the president left, he had to go and report that. I said, no, you can do that. And in the meantime, I'll do my homework and you do your homework. Let's meet again. We never met again. So, but in your view, the president was fully appraised of the developments. Or at least well, your understanding. And any, anybody, you know, anybody can invoke the name of the president on anything. But that's what he said to us in the meeting. So, they, they, they then, Optimum is put under business rescue. 
uh, immediately after uh, Mr. Mlefe reportedly refused to renegotiate a coal supply contract and imposed a 2 billion rand penalty against the company. What is the reading of that particular development? What do you read into it? Yeah, it's not for me to speculate or to read or not read anything. I'm just reporting a factual situation. And the rest you leave to analysts and others. Um, all I'm telling you is what happened. And in front of my officials, I'm sure some of them won't be able to talk because they're afraid for their jobs, but others will be able to talk because they're out of the system. At some point, there is a Tutuzani Zuma, who is the son of the president who's involved here, and the Guptas are involved. AJ Gupta, for instance, they were trying to, to arrange a meeting between yourself and uh, uh, AJ Gupta so that you meet and discuss this. Just talk us through that. Now, this is much earlier after I was appointed. And uh, I'm the, I mean, I know Tutuzani is my son, and like... I spent months with him in Peter Marisburg. Before that, I knew him, you know, at court I mean, in Peter Marisburg. I was supporting the president there when he was appearing there with Khalima Matlante from the Tule House. So then he comes to me with some allegation that that I was talking ill of them. From two sources he picked up and that uh, he discussed this with his father and, and that... Uh, uh, basically, I was accusing them of being involved in crime, and and I I asked him to do that. You know, you are my son. If if you are involved in crime, I'll definitely call you and ask you why are you involved in crime. I won't go around talking to sources elsewhere, and um, or to people about you and your partner. It's not the way I would work as an elderly person, because we are a child, you see? Now, then he said, no, maybe you should meet with uh, Aja uh, and explain that to him. He said, no, I can't meet Aja because I have nothing to explain to him. So he said that, and I said to him, I'll tell your father about this conversation, which I did. I reported back to the president to say, I had a meeting with your son, this is what he raised, and this is how I responded. Mm. The president said, no problem. That was much earlier on. There was an investigation by the public protector, Tulima Donzel, at that particular time. You never appeared before that, uh, uh, or at least uh, sub- submitted, uh, you know, this allegation or what you are telling us right now to the public protector. But there was an investigation that was going on at that particular time. Correct. Why, why Correct. didn't yes. you do that? I was not well. Uh, I was indisposed. The purple. Uh, when the notice came for me to make any submission, uh, I think they sort of made the last minute. And there are questions about the timing. Why come out now? You've clarified that point. But perhaps for those who don't understand, why come out now? This story, I did not start it today. It's something that is old. It has been sitting with the investigative uh, journalists who who now uh, wrote the story. I'm sure they were confirming certain things, this and that. I didn't even know that Brian would be going back to his comrade. 
this is another letter as far as I am me concerned. We joined now on the line by ESCOM board spokesperson Kulani Koma. Uh, good to be chatting to you, Kulani. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Your, what do you make of all this? Well, there are questions that I think uh, is quite things that are very important. Um, I think when we talk about the issues of morals, it's important that people um, actually subject themselves to the issue of timing. Why is he saying this now? Why did he have to wait for this long before he actually made this allegation? One. Two, it's important to find out, because there are two words that I've actually noted he used. Press, he was pressed, he was prejudiced. How is it possible or plausible that a sitting minister was very senior, uh, that he can be bullied by and be pressed and be bullied by uh, a mere chairperson of the board and CEO? It doesn't sound plausible to me. So the issue of timing cannot be underplayed. He needs to explain that otherwise then there's no incentive for people to make allegations because they can back them up. So it looks like everyone can can stand up and make allegations, and that will be it, and everyone will simply believe them, and that actually castigates those that okay. are, allegations are being made against. Let's stay with the issue of a timing, Mr. Koma. I mean, he explains that, that uh, it was never his intention to even talk about this, but uh, because there was an investigation uh, by uh, this particular publication, he had to, to answer the question and he didn't have to say anything else or anything that was not. So that's why then he talks about it now, which was about two weeks ago, even before Mr. Brian Molife was back at, uh, at ESCOM. Well, um, so, so it means then the publication had so much power that it managed to actually pull out a response from him when it did not intend to have this matter being spoken about in public. It's important to find out from him. He report this matter. These are very serious allegations, and he appears to be quite a moralistic person. So if that is the case, what did he do at an appropriate time when these things arose? Mm. So I think we need to question the error of these particular allegations. And I think there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's very good for this country. So that people are not incentivized to just stand up and, and start saying things that they can't back up. It doesn't sound plausible to me that he's a sitting minister. He's very senior. You have two individuals who come from a state institution pulling him and seeking to have him actually break the law. I don't think that any person who seriously thinks about these things will ever arise at the end of the stick which he holds. Okay, so what will be the next step then for ESCOM now? Well, for ESCOM, we actually wish for a process, and this has been expressed by the minister as well, that would actually be credible enough and rooted in our system of, um, of, 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 of our, our statehood that will be a democratic, in fact, a, a constitutional a process, which will then allow us to, to state our case and be convicted if we did anything wrong and be exonerated if, if the opposite is true. So until then, we are as innocent, the leadership is as innocent as anything that can ever be innocent.